Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Greater Alton Church. My name is Tim, and we're glad you could be here with us today. And ladies, did you have a good time at the retreat? Wonderful. Uh, before we get into anything, uh, it's my brother's birthday. How old are you now? 30... <laughs> 32. Oh, well. And uh, we have 53, 54? 54? Danny said he can stretch and kick. Still do it. But uh, could we, I'd like to sing happy birthday to my brother. I think it'd be kind of fun. <laughs> it's embarrassing and it serves a purpose. And didn't he, is there a cake for him? There's his cake. Stand up, Danny. Let's sing. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Danny. Happy birthday. <laughs> oh, my, my. Oh, my, my. A brother is born for adversity. <laughs> well, it's good to be together. And if it's your birthday, too, happy birthday. Good to be together, isn't it? Uh, spring is here. The Buckeyes are letting us know that right now. Uh, they're the first to come out and say hello. And so if you're, go hug a Buckeye tree today. That would be a good idea. Um, again, my name's Tim. Glad you could be here. We had a ladies' retreat over the weekend. And I want to let you know that there are several things about the ladies' retreat that we want you to know about. We had it here on the campus. It's been a long time since we've done that. And we have some displays set up. They were looking at uh, women in the Old Testament. It was called Old Ladies. And, and looking at lessons from women in the Old Testament. This happens to be Rahab's. And I believe that's Deborah. And, um, and then well, I just want to let you know there was a, there was a particular uh, display that's in the upper room, the old church office, that's the Garden of Eden. And Sue and several women have helped put that together. And if you didn't get a chance to look at that, I went up there. and It's a great place to have a quiet time. Birds are singing, chirping, there's candlelight. And I'd like to tell you fellows, you know, to go up there and check that out. It's beautiful, uh, uh, beautiful uh, display. And these were all, uh, as well as there was one more for uh, Hannah, I believe. And they were, they were on display for women to go to, reflect, to think about these people, what we could learn from them, and, and hopefully even make some decisions, make some choices. If you're interested in getting... These lessons, uh, ladies, they are going to be at the Welcome Center. Megan was working on it as, even as we speak. Uh, she had got all that together, and, and you can order those if you like. Um, I don't know if we might have them on our website, uh, hopefully uh, as well at some time, and you can download them there maybe. Um, they had a video. They had a video we wanted you to uh, see, and uh, some of you guys may not got to see, but great, great video. Thanks, Matt, for putting it together. I mean, he, he's amazing with that iMovie stuff. I just um. I'm thumbs with that. Um, like I say, ladies, uh, thanks for having this retreat here. And, and guys, uh, I want to well, first let me say this. I want to say thanks for all the women that have really helped put that together. I know you, you, all of you were working a lot of them behind the scenes. You did a great job, okay? Yeah. And so uh, our men's retreat, we flipped it this, this year. Our men's retreat's in the fall. And so, guys, we're going to be getting together. So if you're wondering if we're having a men's retreat, we are. We just flipped it this year. And uh, the ladies had one just last fall and then one this spring. So hats off to the women who pulled it off. That's, that's, uh, that's really cool. Um, 
Easter's only a couple of weeks away, and I want to remind you that uh, to bring your friends to this, we're going to be looking at the, the road to Emmaus. We're going to be looking at those two fellows that were with Jesus as they walked uh, the day of Easter, that first Easter. They're walking along the road, and they run into Jesus, and they don't even know, who, know it's Him. You'd be surprised how many missing pieces or missing things we have about Christ. We, we're just not aware of on Easter, and we're going to be looking at that, and what does God want us to know? What does He want to reveal to us on Easter like He did to those two fellows on the road to Emmaus? And that's going to be happening um, next or two weeks from now. Next Sunday, Gary's going to be closing out our uh, series on stewardship. Hope you've enjoyed this. It's been very good, I feel, especially the small group stuff as well. And uh, we're going to be uh, wrapping it up with trash. He's going to be talking about trash. So he's going to have a real stinker of a sermon. So be there. Be here. You know, you'll like it. Uh, you know, it'll be a really good way to close it out. We're going to be start, starting a new uh, series after Easter. It's called Why. And uh, you'll know a little more about that. Why are we having it, Tim? We're having it. We're going to be looking at why. The why, the question behind the question. Why do we do what we do? Why does God call us to these things? And uh, look at purpose. We're going to be looking at purpose. Uh, we're in this stewardship series, and we've been, we've been. By the way, check your bullet now for other stuff. There's other stuff there. We got. I got to move now. Uh, we've been in this uh, stewardship series, and one of the passages we've been using to kind of remind us of being good stewards is a passage on ownership. And if you look, here it is in Psalms 24 up here on the screen. Uh, it simply says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. And what we've been learning is that stewardship, managing the things that God has given me, starts with understanding his ownership. If you don't understand God's ownership, you're not going to manage the things he gives you very well. And notice, notice here in this passage, he's saying that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything is from God. Now, you might have your name on the title and you might have your name on the deed, but the original owner is God and he never signed it off to you. He just let you use it. How do you know that? It's going to stay here after you're gone. But notice something else in this passage. It says, the, it says everything belongs to God, but it says everyone belongs to God. You belong to God. I belong to God. Yeah, my time belongs to God. And yes, the money I have belongs to God. All the gold and silver is, are His. You know, uh, the possessions I have are, are, are God's. He owns a cattle on a thousand hill. He can provide. He has all these things. He gives us all these things. He gives me the time I have. He gives me the talents that I have. They're only on loan. And Rush Limbaugh, I think, used to say, on loan from God. He's not the only. That's in the Bible, for crying out loud, okay? It, it, all this stuff that you and I have has been really given to us by God. He's the original owner. But everybody, everyone is also belongs to God. That means every relationship you have, every family member, you go, why was I born in this family? Apparently, God wanted you to have that family, okay? And, and look at all, and all the friends that you have and the friends that you will make in life. And that's what I want to talk about is this, the friendships that God gives us and what do we do with them? Now, I know in a, in a lesson like this, a lot of times, and it's okay, we'll start thinking about the kind of friends we have. We'll start thinking about, okay, we're going to be talking about how to be a good friend, and I hope my friends are listening so they can be good friends to me. I want you to remember, somebody's thinking that about you too. And so we're, we're, we're really, what I want is, if we could, why don't we just skip the middleman and just look at it like that. Personally, just skip that of the, the middleman people and say, okay, 
I want to know how to manage the friendships I have. Boy, I tell you what, there's a lot of information about friendships. When you when you go on the internet or magazines, books, studies, there's gobs of them. And people are hungering for friendships. And friendships in America, according to most studies, are not that healthy right now. I, I, I remember uh, Mike Kipmar giving me a, a study, something about the average person, American, has one, maybe one friend. Some, some said even less. How do you get less than one? You know, like a third. I think it was point three friends. How does that work? You know, what did I get stuck with? <laughs> What's that mean? But you know, what it's telling us, all these studies are saying is friendships are hard to come by. I mean, do you have a real good friend? Do you have a best friend? I was talking to somebody this week who said, talked about a friend he had when he was a teenager. He goes, you know, I've not had a friend like that since. You know, these are friendships, best friends, BFFs. I don't even know if you can say BFFs, plural, because it's, you're lucky if you've got one best friend. Am I right? Just one. Uh, you'd be considered blessed. I was looking at different things and and uh, like David Letterman, I'm into charts and graphs. And so let's look at it. Let's look at something here. here. Look at this particular chart. I know it's kind of fuzzy, but it, it says here that three quarters of Americans are not truly satisfied with their relationships. They're not happy with them. Three fourths of us in this room, if we were to do this survey, would not be happy with their friendships. And look at else it says about Americans. Sixty three percent of them are not even confident in their relationships, in their friendships. In other words, they're not secure in them. They can't be themselves. Look at this, this, this other thing I found in the same, same study, that if given a choice, 68% of people would want a deeper friendship over more friends. Two to one. That if somebody said, I'd rather have a deeper friendship than I would just more friends. Well, what about Facebook? Doesn't Facebook help? Come on, man. Yeah, okay. Facebook, does it help? Can I tell you that Facebook has had no impact on this at all? Zero impact. And you might say, well, you know, so Tim, uh, what do you think? Are you thinking maybe that our social media has somehow created distance? Oh, no. Social media hasn't done that. We've done that with social media. Don't blame Facebook or Twitter or whatever you want to, you know, way back in the day, you know, MySpace. You know, don't blame. What was that? Remember MySpace? Oh, my gosh. Don't blame Zuckerman for your problem here, okay? It's not his, pro- it's not your, it's not his fault. No, this is how we are in America with friendships, and we just aren't really into friendships, yet we want them. We want them so desperately. There was a guy by the name of Isaac Osmoff. I don't know if you ever heard of him. I've read a couple of his books. He's a great writer. I like him. He wrote a book back in the 50s called The Naked Son was the name of it. And what the book is about, it's about these guys who, in the future, 22,000 people live on this planet called Solaris, something like that. And they do not have any physical communication, no face-to-face, rarely. Most of the time, they're communicating with each other through a tri- tri-dimensional person. We would call them an avatar today. 
You know what Avatar is. That's an easy way to say it. But in other words, they had this virtual person like some from Star Wars, like Obi-Wan Kenobi and R2-D2. It'd flash out there. And that's how you would communicate with each other. You know, that was written in the 1950s, folks. And how close are we to that today? With a, a tweet and an email or a selfie. It's there. It's out there. And, and, you know, and I hear people say, you know, Facebook really helps me do this and helps me be able to keep in touch. And I know people say, I've, you ever met somebody that says, oh, I have, and they name the gazillion billion friends they have? You wonder how many of them have died by now, but, you know, but, but, but you've got, I've got, I had a guy one time, I have 1,700 friends. Really? Really? You don't look like somebody to have that many friends. He didn't speak to me after that. That's a true story. Right out here in the foyer. And I said, I just don't look like you could have that many. Maybe maybe a couple. That's what really got me in trouble. But we want them. You know, we, and, and the way we're defining friendships these days, you know, people today are not looking at friendships like they used to. Used to be friendships, you looked for what you had in common. Or now people are just looking for somebody that likes them and they're considered a friend. That's how superficial it's become. You guys, how many of you have seen the movie Her? Anybody seen Her yet? Okay. And and I read a critic's review of the movie Her. Joaquin, uh, is it not Joaquin? Yeah, Joaquin Phoenix. That guy that was weird on David Letterman. You know, he he was he's in this movie. I personally like him. He's in the movie Signs. I like him. And he he is a a guy that that writes down. He, he forms love cards or romance cards. And he experiences a divorce after several years, about 12 years of marriage. And so he's very lonely. And he hears of this app that he can download uh, that's a virtual friend kind of a thing. And um, so he downloads this thing and he becomes friends with his smartphone. Some of you are going, I know somebody like that. Because they're on their phone right now. Looking up the critic on her. Seeing if Tim's saying it right. You know what I'm talking about? These people? And he's like falling in love. And then, and this, and this particular program has had some artificial intelligence where it can learn things. And it finally falls in love with him. What he finds out is that this friend he has that he's fell in love with has fell in love with 641 other men and has thousands of users. It's almost like electronic prostitution is what the critic claims. And he kind of jabs at the rest of us, saying, is this where we're going? Is this what's happening? You know, God has a lot to say about friends. A lot, a lot to say about friendships. I don't know of any. I, 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 this is my fifth time reading through the Bible, and if those of you daily, you daily Bible people, uh, have you noticed that we just finished up reading about David and Jonathan? And that's what I want to talk about today. And it's the, the timing sometimes that God has is, is just really because I, I had no idea that we'd be going through David and Jonathan this week. 
uh, and we'd be talking about that very friendship. I don't know of any friendship in the Bible that rivals David and Jonathan. None. What about Jesus and John? Not even close. You say, you're kidding me. The Lord didn't have us. No, we don't know as much about Jesus and John as we know about David and Jonathan. What an amazing friendship. In fact, his son, Solomon, when he's writing the book of Ecclesiastes, he begins to describe what a friendship is in Ecclesiastes 4. Let's, uh, is, that the next, is that the next thing? Let's look at that passage if we could. Pat, go right to that one if you can. And here's what it says in Ecclesiastes 4. I had a bunch of quotes. I haven't got time to tell you about quotes. We'll, we'll get to them later. But here's, here's some things about what he says here in Ecclesiastes 4. And I want you to think about this. This is David's son that is writing this. Is it possible that, David, that, that Solomon, David's son, could be thinking of his friendship, his dad's friendship with Jonathan? Is it possible he's heard this story of David and Jonathan, his dad, many times? Because I'll tell you what, we do talk about our best friends even after they're dead. I wonder. Look what he says here. You're better off to have a friend than to be all alone. Because then you will get more enjoyment of what you earn. If you fall, your friend can help you up. But if you fall without having a friend nearby, you are really in trouble. If you sleep alone, you won't have anyone to keep you warm on a cold night. Someone might be able to beat up one of you, but not both of you. As the saying goes, a rope made from three strands of cord is hard to break. I've read, I, I did a search in my own hard drive I have of this passage to see how many times I've used it. I use it in every wedding. Because I, I think, well, this is about, you know, this, is, this, this makes sense. Two are better than one. These two have joined together. They've done the stand or the nod or the candle or whatever that brings them together. You know, they make a sandwich together. I'm, I'm expecting somebody to ask me that. Can we make a sandwich together? Really? Okay. And as you make this sandwich together, remember, what? But this is not about marriage. It could include marriage. But it's about friendship. And Solomon, I'm just wondering, with the, with the Holy Spirit, with the friendship of God inside him, and the friendship of God he saw in his dad and his best friend, Jonathan, that maybe those two kind of melded together here in this passage to help us understand what a friendship from God is about, the kind of friends that God gives us. I see four things in this passage, and there's, I've got a lot of Scripture to show you up on the screen, so if you've got a pen and pencil and you want to write some of these passages down, we'll, uh, get ready. Here we go. You know, what, what, why does God give us these friendships? Or what can we say about friendships from God? Well, the first thing is, friendships from God supply me with companionship. He says in Ecclesiastes, you're better off to have a friend than to be all alone. He goes, man, friends were made for, for, for friendship. Someone once said, friendships are made when families don't do their job. That God gives you family, but He also gives you friendships, because sometimes your family's going to fail you. In the story of David and Jonathan, you find out the family is failing Jonathan, but David and he have a friendship. 
Oprah Winfrey once said this about, about a friend. She said, you know, you can find anybody to, to ride in a limo with you, but a real friend will ride with you on the bus when the limo breaks down. I like that. <laughs> I don't know who, who wrote this about uh, friendship, but um, Chris Weiler claims that he wrote this, okay? Best friends will loan you their DVDs knowing that they'll never be seen again. <laughs> huh? Anybody had that happen to them? Look at the person that took that DVD, okay? Right now, where are they at? Okay, oh, sorry. No, and, and over the weekend, ladies, didn't you learn from Denise's lesson? And what an incredible lesson on Eve. What an incredible... I mean, there were so many things she was getting out of the Scriptures and out of her study. I was like, oh my gosh, Denise, this is incredible. But one of the things we noticed, you can't help notice, whether, whether you're a man or a woman, when you study the, the Bible on the story of Adam and Eve, God says, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good. And the first time He says, that's not good, is what? A guy is alone. You mean a male? Listen... Male or female, it isn't good to be alone. And we've always used that passage. And so God made a spouse. So you need to be married to have fulfillment. And is that what he's saying there? Or could he be simply saying, it's just not good for a man to be alone. And since I've got a lot of other things like filling up the earth, I've got mine. I'll make the friend his wife. I'll make it a woman. Why? Because you and I were made to have companionship. We weren't made to be alone. Some of you here say, well, you know, I kind of like to go off by myself so I can find myself. You always need help to find yourself. You can't find yourself by yourself. Who are you kidding? Well, do I need a little me time? Just remember, though, God made you to have a little me time, but He also made you to have a little we time. You need people. And so God supplies friendships for that very purpose. Kind of funny, huh? Me, we, huh? That's funny. Yeah, I like that too. Look at this. Look at look. Is, it, is there a pass? Is there a picture? Have I got a picture somewhere? Now, is there a picture next? Look at this picture. Look at this picture. You know, friendships and, and relationships help you live longer. And so, here's an e-card I found. I might be dead without you. In other words, you're sending this card to remind this person I need you. I had a card one time I sent Rex Crossland, and he found it. It's this woman laying on the railroad tracks like this, with a black and white, with a train coming, a locomotive, and underneath it says, doing perfectly fine without you. I said, I need, what was I saying? I need you around, Rex. I need some friendship. And studies have shown that we live better and longer with companionship. Living alone, segregating yourself away from the world. You hermits are asking for a heart attack. Well, I just not made to be. I'm not a social person. You're arguing with God's design in your life. You realize that? Maybe it's not that you're not a social person. Maybe it's you're a selfish person. Owie, don't talk like that to me, Tim. Well, you're here, and I can't seem to get a hold of you any other time. So think about it. <laughs> i got so much to talk about. I've got, man, Lord, help me out here. What's another reason he gives us friendship? Well, friendships from God help me mature. That's the second thing. He gives me friendships to help me grow. 
I'm not designed to grow alone. He's help, he gives them somebody to help me to help mature me. Now, I've got a passage here, and there's two of them in Ecclesiastes, I noticed. The first one is, he says, two are better than one, because then you will get more enjoyment out of what you earn. What is he saying? You get more return for your work. You accomplish more. Well, one of the things you accomplish is maturity through a godly friendship. And that's exactly what David and Jonathan had. They had, they had this. Not only were they compatible, or they, the, the, the companions, where David became best friends, Jonathan became best friends with David, they were also, they had this friendship that helped bring out the best in one another. And that's why God gives you and I relationships from Him. Godly relationships to bring out the best in you. And by the way, He puts you in those relationships to bring out the best in the other. If I just had the right friends, I okay, dot, dot, dot. But think for me, think with me for a minute here. If I could be the right friend, dot, dot, dot. If I could be that good friend, that's why churches, it's so important that our best friends, our, 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 our greatest friends should be here. That walk with the Lord. And walk with you. Oh, that would be what a blessing. And David and Jonathan had that very relationship. Look at this passage here. It says, Jonathan went to David at Horish, which means wilderness. Look at it says, and helped him find strength in God. He says, Don't be afraid. He said, Was David afraid? Apparently. Don't be afraid. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. He's encouraging David to not give up and not quit. And he's, trying to, he's saying, look, you're going to be a king someday. You're going to grow into this, and I'm going to be right there with you. I'm going to help you get this done. This is the current prince of the current king saying to a shepherd boy... You're going to grow into be, to taking my job. And I'm going to help you get there. That's Jonathan's friendship to David. That's his vow. That's his oath to God and to David. You bring out the best in others? Do you bring anything out in others? Well, it can't be me. If you want to maintain the friendships the way God wants, let me tell you, it's going to mean... You working on being this solid, good friend that brings the best of others. Because God gave your friends you for that purpose. Number three, friendships from God provide my life with accountability. Here we go. Accountability. Yeah. Going to keep me out of trouble. Well, look what the Bible says here. I don't know if necessarily accountability does that job sometimes. Sometimes the accountability is not just helping somebody stay out of trouble, but helping them get out of it when they fall into it. Look what he says. He says in Ecclesiastes, If you fall, your friend can help you up. But if you fall without having a friend nearby, you're really in trouble. Accountability is taking responsibility. Yes, it's pointing things out to people. But it's also, it's also about helping them up when they get into trouble. It's, it's watching their back, but also looking for them when they've dropped out of sight. And David was this way, and Solomon was this way. They were both like this 
in their relationship. We see it over and over again in 1 Samuel 18, 19, 20. Um, look what it says here in Proverbs. Oil and perfume make your heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. It comes from his guidance. It comes from his help. It comes from his response. His counsel, his advice. You know, we talk about seeking advice here like it's a legalistic requirement. Man, it's a privilege. It's, a, it's an up. It's a plus. It's a blessing. Not some requirement to be a member here. Man, if, 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 you're, if you're seeking advice because you have to, you're robbing yourself. And if you're giving advice because you have to, you're robbing them, the other person as well. No, it's an honor and it's a privilege. It's sweet. Why? Because good friends care enough to speak up and, and give advice, give good counsel, give help. They watch each other's back. They help each other up. And friendships from God also make me stronger. They make me stronger. They make you stronger. These godly friendships, that's what they're designed to do. Ecclesiastes says someone might, might beat you up all by yourself, basically, but not both of you. Not two of you. Try that. It's kind of like a rope that has three strands. You can snap one, but when you put three together, it's, that, it's strong. It takes a lot to break a cord like that. He says it takes a lot to break a combination like that. And David and Jonathan had this kind of relationship. Look, I love this. Again, look at this passage. We're going to see it many times in this verse or this sermon. Jonathan went to David at Horish and helped him find strength in God. He helped him find his strength. He gave him strength. Why? We're going to see in a minute here why. That when you give strength, help people, and you help them be more committed to Christ and more committed to God, you give them the strength to get through whatever they face when you're not there. So David and Jonathan really give us a great illustration of how to be a good friend, how to maintain friendships, how to take care of our friendships. And I, I want to say to you to, to, to realize something here, okay? With, re, with relationships, and I was talking to some people earlier about this. In a relationship, do you bring a sponge or a towel? What are you talking about, Tim? Sounds like both are used for cleaning. Well, I'm not talking about that. You know, when Jesus was with his friends, he brought out a towel and washed their feet. When you look at Jesus, he initiates the friendships. He may, he's taking responsibility of maintaining the friendships, and he's serving. A sponge just sits there and takes it. Takes it and takes it and takes it and takes it. Some of you here, you're sponges. You've had people give and give and give to you, and you didn't catch that you were supposed to model what they were giving you. That you were supposed to do what they were modeling for you. How do I know that? When they leave, you don't know what to do. It's all about that. It's not about becoming a good friend. It's about finding a good friend. I just don't feel loved. I wonder how you do it, loving. Some of you here bring to your relationships a sponge, and all it's about is you and what you're going to get. And God's telling us in this relationship with David and Jonathan, they both brought a towel. They both invested in the friendship. If you went through lesson four, 
in your small groups, you know what I'm talking about. God calls you and I to be good friends. Well, I'm not a very good friend. You can learn to be. I, you know, I, there's, some, there's some places where I'm lousy at being a friend. And God wants me to grow in those. And He wants you to do the same thing. So as, as we're talking about being a friend, and ask yourself, am I more like a sponge or am I more like a towel? Am I selfish or am I a servant? It makes a big difference in the kind of friend you are going to be. Now, let's look at this. What can I do? What can I learn from these two guys on how to be a good friend or what's it mean to be a good friend? Well, I can be a good friend. You and I can be a good, friend, good friends first when I love my friends enough to level with them. You know, look at the Bible says here. An, answer, an honest answer is, is the sign of true friendship. You think that's true? Oscar Wilde one time said that real friends stab you in the front. <laughs> I thought that was funny. What? Well, they don't stab you in the back. They stab you in the front. I think it says in Proverbs, faithful are the wounds of a friend. It says that. Well, David and Jonathan had this kind of friendship where they talked to one another and they were honest with one another and they leveled with one another. Do you have a friendship like that where you can just speak? You don't have to edit and preface everything? Do, do you have relationships where people have to preface and um, get ready? I'm about to tell you something. Why are they doing that? Well, they're insecure. Really? You're not sure you're a little touchy? When it comes to, to speaking into people's lives as a good friend, are you honest or do you find yourself chickening out at the last minute? See, this point speaks to me personally. This one challenges me. Well, I level with somebody... Well, I love them enough to be honest with them. Because your best friends are those that are. Anybody can lie to you. Anybody can stroke you. But somebody will tell you the truth, that is rare. That is such a rare jewel to have. You got anybody like that? Is there anyone that would say, you're that friend? To be a good friend, I love friends enough to level with them. And David and Jonathan are up front with each other. Let me, let, me just, let me say it this way to you. Let's get the setting here straight. Saul becomes king. He doesn't really want to. The Bible says you find him behind some baggage when he's selected as king. He immediately goes to work on the Philistines because they're the great problem in Israel. You know, Samuel, the, the high priest there, the priest, the, the judge of the land, sort of speaking. You know, the people want a king, so they pick Saul. Uh, they don't want, you know, Sam, God doesn't want him to have a king. Samuel doesn't think it's a good idea, but because they're perceived. Okay, you can have a king, but mark my words, it's going to mess with you. you. I should be your king, is what he's saying, not some person. That's a good lesson there. And so what happens is this, is, is, is he, he, he starts off being a king, Beating up on the Philistines, things are going good. But then he starts to get his commitment to God starts to wane. He starts to worry too much. He panics them. Tries to offer a sacrifice in one battle, and then Samuel shows up. What are you doing? Well, my men were scattering. He goes, Gosh, you can't do that. Trust the Lord. It's not the number of men you got in your army. It's how how much you believe in God. That is going to determine the outcome. For crying out loud, Saul, think. And then things go for a while, and 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 then he, he's supposed to destroy this. 
this, this uh, city, take everything. But what's he do? He doesn't destroy everybody. He doesn't, he doesn't kill all the animals. He keeps some of it for himself. He says he's going to offer it to God. And Stanley goes, you can't do that. God's had it up to here with your disobedience. You're not going to be king much longer. And as he walks away, Saul grabs the hem of his garment and it, it rips. And Samuel turns around and Saul's got a hunk of, of cloth. And he goes, you know, God's going to rip the kingdom of Israel out of your hands just like that. You're going to hold on, but it ain't going to do, ain't going to do you any good. You're going to lose it. And Saul knows this. On the heels of that, the Philistines come back. And we know this story. The fat Albert of the Bible. Hey, hey, hey. I stand before you today. And old Goliath is sitting there, you know, nine foot nine. The guy's big and hairy and ugly. Go on out of here, you wusses. I'll take you out one at a time. You know, I'll tell you what. You bring somebody out, and I'll square off. And whoever wins, why, the other army will just surrender to him. And the Philistines are laughing, and the Israelites are going, I don't think it's a good deal. They're all shaking in their armor like the tin man from the Wizard of Oz. David hears about it. He comes along. Here comes Goliath out every day, does his usual thing. And it says, and David heard it, and he didn't like it. Who's that guy think he is? Well, he's Goliath, and he's a champion. Well, I took out a lion, and I took out a bear. And that goofball is going to fall like anybody else. Saul, what's this? What's this? And somebody goes, there's a kid out here talking tough, talking trash. (laughs) Bring him in here. Who are you? Well, I'm David. I'm one of your armor bearers. You know that? He was an armor bearer before all this happened. I'm one of the guys that carries around your armor. And I'm telling you, that guy's going to fall. Oh, wow. Well, I'll tell you what. Here, put on my armor. And he puts on his, you know, you know the story. He puts on the armor. He can't go on these. He gets five rocks. And like one comedian preacher said, he rocked and rolled the giant. And so he does that, knocks him out, cuts his head off. And does David have the big head? Oh, yeah. He's got a big head. Good point, huh? Somebody else's. Shakes it at the Philistines. They take off running. Jonathan draws his sword along with everybody else, and they chase and rout the Philistines. And on the heels of that, here comes David. And Saul wants to talk to this guy. Who is that? He's the son of Jesse. Who's that? Bring him in here. It says he's ruddy. Is he redheaded? Perhaps. He's red looking. Still got the head. Saul's talking to him. And it's after that discussion, he walks out and it says, Jonathan became best friends with David. Why? Because his dad, who once used to to make the Philistines quake with fear, is now not the man he used to be. He's not being what he needs to be for Jonathan. He's not the inspiration, not the man of faith. He used to be his family members failing him. And so what's God do? He, what Jonathan recognized, a friend can help me with this. David's and Jonathan become great friends. And what's Jonathan do? He takes his sword off. He takes his belt off. He takes his armor off. He gives all of this and he never gets it back. He gives it to David. What's he saying to David? You're going to be the king. I know we're done. My dad's not going to be here much longer. 
I'm not the one. You're the one. And just like, David, you remind me of me, because if you look about Jonathan, he is a tough dog. He's took on the Philistines before. And David and Jonathan, see, they just connect so well. And you say, well, that's great. Well, yeah, it's really good. But Saul knows that David is going to be king, so he's trying to figure out a way to get rid of him. I'll tell you what, I'll have him do something crazy outlandish. Maybe he'll die trying to do it. It doesn't work. They're talking one day. David's playing the harp. Saul's upset, grabs a spear, and it just barely misses him. And David decides, maybe it's time for me to leave. (laughs) And he gets out of Dodge. He's, He's out of town. Jonathan's chasing him down. What's going on? What's, your dad's trying to kill me. Oh, my dad isn't going to do that. You want to bet? And this great friendship that's been so wonderful and lovely is now getting really honest with one another. And they're leveling with one They're telling each other things. Look at it says here in chapter 19, verse 7. So Samuel called David and told him the whole conversation. We said, I'm going to tell you everything my dad said. And my dad says, it's going to be okay. And so he goes, okay, I trust you. You didn't, you didn't hide anything from me. He goes back. Of course, it happens again. Saul loses his temper again. And then in, in 1 Samuel 20, it starts off with, David looks at... Let me ask you this. Can a friend talk about your family? Can your friend say, your dad's stupid? One time, Denise and I were having a conversation. You know, my dad, drunk, hot-headed. He was a mess. Yeah, your dad was a drunk and he was hot-headed. He was a mess. Hey! What are you doing? Nobody talks about my dad like that. Just, well, you just did. Yeah, but it's my dad, not yours. I mean, that's... Would you let a friend do it? You won't let your spouse? What are you talking about, Tim? David's talking to Jonathan. He's saying, listen, your dad's trying to kill me. My dad wouldn't do it. My, your dad wouldn't do it. Let me tell you what's going on, dog. This guy is not telling you what's going on. This guy is not telling you everything. He knows. You're some, he wants you to be the next king. And he's not going to tell you everything because we're pals. No, my dad didn't like that. Yes, he is. He doesn't go, go talk to my dad like that. How dare you talk to my dad about my dad like that? He just goes, I'll tell you what, I'm going to go find out. In fact, he says in in chapter 20, I'll do, what do you want me to do? And I'll do it. I want you to go back and I want you to bring up this and see what happens. That's how they level with one. They're, They're able to tell each other things without it becoming a big fight. Look at verses 20, uh, chapter 20, 18 and 10 here. As for you, show kindness to your servant, for you have brought him into a covenant before, with you before the Lord. David's saying, look, I want to make sure you understand something, Jonathan. You and I have promised to God that we're going to be friends. And then he says, if I'm guilty, then kill me. Now, that's pretty straight. Don't give me to your dad. I'd rather have you do it. If I'm guilty, then kill me. Level. Straight up. See, guys, I, I read this. Somebody said this one time. I thought this was an interesting uh, quote for friends. It went like, uh, love is blind. Friends just close their eyes. 
I, I, I think friends squint. What do you mean, Tim? I'm saying that love may be blind, but friends... They're understanding with people, with their friends. They never take their eyes off of them, though. Why? Because they don't... Listen, listen. Here's what I'm saying. They don't look the other way. Because they look out for their friend. You see the difference? Oh, I'm just going to close my eyes. So no big deal. You know, I'm not going to make a big deal. Of this, you know, blah, blah, blah. It could be a big deal. And David did not have a friend that chose to be blind. And he didn't look the other way. He was always looking out for Jonathan. And Jonathan was always looking out for David. They looked out for one another, guys. And in order to do that, it's, you, you do that by being honest with one another. Proverbs 27 there says there are wounds, friends, can be trusted. But your enemy, well, he can kiss you all night long. Oh, you're just great. Oh, I'm so sorry that's happening. Oh, I don't know why they talk like that about you. You're not getting any help with that. You know that, don't you? And you're not giving anybody any help. Sometimes you've got to stab them in the front. Real friends will hurt to help. If you and David and Jonathan, you re, just re, I, I can't even I can't give you all the scriptures. Just read. 1 Samuel 20 and, and, and 19 and 20, and you see back and forth, they're, they're just giving it to one another. They're not arguing. They love each other, and they're honest. Here's the second, by the way, here's the second thing. When I, uh, I'm a good friend when I give my friends the freedom to be themselves. What do you mean by that, Tim? Well, it says here, David and Jonathan became best friends. Jonathan thought as much of David as he did himself. What's it mean? To live, love somebody like yourself. It's like loving another you. You love you? Here's the difference between a selfish friend and a spiritual friend. They don't, they don't just love themselves. They love others like themselves. They, they, understand, they seek to understand the person like they understand themselves. They're looking for that connection. And David, or Jonathan, gives David the freedom to be himself. Good friends create a safe environment so you can be vulnerable. Hubbard, uh, Albert Hubbard said it this way, A friend is a man who knows all about you and still likes you. What are you talking about? Well, here in, in, in 1 Samuel 20, David and Jonathan, there's a little, they got this little thing going. D- David sends Jonathan back to his dad and says, find out and see for yourself. I'm telling you I'm right. He goes, okay, I'll go. I'll go and check it out. That's what you need me to do. That's what I'll do for you. He goes back. He's talking about how good David is. His dad gets upset and tries to pin him against the wall. And Jonathan is angry over it. I want you to think about something, folks. Is blood thicker than water? In a lot of places, that's what it is. Blood's thicker than water. A lot of churches, blood is thicker than water. Jonathan says, no, it's not. My dad is dissing on David, dogging on David, doesn't understand. I speak up for David. He gets upset by it. 
And I'll tell you, listen, folks, when somebody is dogging your friend, you don't allow it to happen. Even if they've been together for 35 years. You don't do that. You don't allow that. With the help of God, you don't allow that. And so, once he find out, Jonathan finds out, oh, David is, David's right. He goes and finds him. they got this little deal worked out where he takes a boy with him and he shoots these arrows. If I shoot short, you know things are safe. If I shoot real far, that means it's bad. Remember the story? And sure enough, the, he shoots an arrow. He goes, oh, that went too far. And you can just see David on the other side of this rock going, Boy comes back. I got your arrow, Jonathan. Thank you. Take the bow. Take the arrows. He makes it a safe place. Take the bow. Take the arrows. You follow me? He makes it a safe place. Take the weapons. Back to the palace. Praise God. That's what a good friend does. He doesn't keep the bow in his hand. Hey, David, come out behind the rock. No. Take all the harmful stuff. Here comes David, and it says, it said, look what it says here. It says, he, after, the, after the boy had gone, David got up from the south side of the stone and bowed down before Jonathan three times. How, to put his, down, look, with his face to the ground. What's that saying? I'm not even looking at you. I trust you that much. You're still the prince. Three times. Jonathan had a chance. He could have took David out, solved his problem. He, his dad solved his dad's problem, but he's not that kind of a friend. It says, then they kissed each other and wept together, but David wept the most. Now, look at this. Here is the man who killed Goliath. Here's the man who's going to be the next king. And he's crying. And Jonathan says, nothing. He lets him cry. He lets him be himself. He doesn't say, Look up, little camper. He doesn't say, David, you shouldn't be crying. Kings don't act that way. Warriors don't act that way. He just lets him cry. Why? Because that's all. He, David doesn't know what else to do. And then he says, go in peace. For we've sworn friendship. Because I don't have anything against you. He knows. This could be the last time they see each other. It could be. It wasn't, but it could have been. Is it safe? Is it safe to be in the same room with you? Is it safe for someone to cry and run the risk of losing respect? This week I was with three different friends. Just so happened, three different friends. One of them was Chris Weiler. And we're getting together and we get together so you know we can work on what he's doing and his zone and all this stuff and and uh, it never works that way, though. I sit there and I go, how you doing, Chris? Well, I... Well, let me tell you I'm doing. <laughs> you know what Chris does? He does he, here's how you sit like this. And, you know, I'm worried about this, and I'm worried about this, and I'm wondering about this, and I don't want you to be overloaded, and blah, blah, blah. And he just goes, well... I think what you need to do is just trust the Lord. Just let the Lord work it out. No scriptures. No lecture. No, what's wrong with you, Tim? <laughs> Snap out of it! Nothing like that. I'm with Alan. 
yesterday. We're looking at our studies. We're looking at what are we teaching. And guys, we're at a, po- a part, point at Greater Alton where we really need to be making sure we're sharing the good news, the real good news that's in the Bible. Not some gimmick, but the good news of the kingdom of God. And, you know, we get together Wednesday, Gary and Alan and I, and we're hashing out some things, and, and I just start, No. And Alan's like, what? No! Don't like it, don't like it, don't like it! He's like, well, how come? Blah, 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 blah. And Gary goes, I don't understand what you're saying. And Alan says something, the best thing I'd ever heard anybody say to me in 10 years, maybe 15. Hold on, Gary. Let Tim talk. Really? Yeah. He's trying to figure this out. And if we let him talk enough, we'll figure it out. He's letting me be me. I go to him Saturday. I don't know. I'm scared. I'm frightened. I, I don't know. Why, is, why, you got, why, is, why are we doing this? And what's this all about? And he's sitting there going, well, here's... He doesn't sit there and go... I've had it with you. When are you going to just start growing up here? He doesn't do anything, nothing like that, guys. He goes, I want to make sure I'm hearing what you've got to say. And there's nothing to be afraid of. Because I believe God is it's not about me, Tim. This is what one of your elders says. This is what Alan says. For those of you guys that think Alan's trying to run the show, here's what he's saying. It's not about me. not about me. For those of you who worry about who's running the show, it ain't me either. You know it's not Gary. (laughs) (laughs) Who's running it? Who are we trying to... Who's trying to run this church? We really want you to know. I want you to know something. It's about God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords running this place. And so when you're seeking to, to please God, you're not thinking about your agenda. You're thinking about His agenda. And you let people occasionally have a meltdown because sometimes they just need you to let them be them. Can a person do that? Can a person say, I don't want to do this marriage. I'm ready to, I'm ready to hit the button, the panic button. And you're, you don't say, don't do that. Here's 17 reasons why you should save your marriage. Here's some emails. No. Okay. What can I do to help you? Sometimes the best times I've had with people is when they don't say anything. I've had people say, man, Tim, that was an awesome time. What was so awesome about it? We didn't do anything. We didn't, I didn't say anything. I think that's what made it awesome. <laughs> okay. Can, we, can a person... Are you the kind of, listen, guys, I just say, let's develop this kind of friendship with people. Let's be the best friend that lets people be themselves. David wept the most, and Jonathan said, that's okay. You weep. They both wept, but it's okay to weep. Number three, I'm a good friend when I'm the source of encouragement to my friends. I think encouragement is the dynamite in friendships. 
Encouragement is the, the fuel and the gas tank of relationships. It's what makes uh, friendships really give, makes them so powerful for God to work. We have the Holy Spirit in us that walks, the Bible calls it a parakletos, which means to run alongside. God, as a friend, is inside us to run alongside, and He brings friends, people, the church, godly friends in our life, to run physically alongside us. And with both their help, we're able to do what God wants us to do. And it's through encouragement. Do you encourage people? Are you an encourager? David and Jonathan are constantly encouraging one another. You know, look, look at this. You know, look, at, look how David, or Jonathan, encourages David. It says he took off his coat and gave it to David along with his armor, including his sword, his bow, and his belt. What's the message there that Jonathan is trying to say to David? I will let go of anything of mine to help you become what God wants you to be, what God's made you to be. It isn't about me. It's about helping you, David. That's a, I'm here to help you. I'm here to get you where God's trying to get you, and that's to be king of Israel. When he's afraid, look at verse 13. When he's afraid, here's, here's what it says. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if I don't let you know. If I do not let you know about what's going on, in other words, and send you away safely. He says to David, I want to encourage you to know, I've got your back, and I'm going to protect you. I'm not going to run out on you. In verse 17, and Jonathan David reaffirmed, and Jonathan had David reaffirm his oath. Listen, you need to reaffirm your oath. By the way, if you look at verse 16, Jonathan does the same thing. What kind of message is that? To hear somebody say, you and I are together on this. You and I are going to be together on this. I'm not cutting and running on you. What's that encourage you to, when you had a friend that says that, I'm with you through thick and thin, you don't think that encourages you? You don't think somebody needs to hear that from your lips occasionally? Hey, I know it's tough, but I ain't going anywhere. They'll have to drag me out of here. I'll stay, I, I'll never forget. Alan saying to me, Tim, I know this is very hard for you. It's one of the hardest things, dealing with, with some turmoil in the kingdom. And he goes, I'll go with you and help you get it done. That's the kind of friends we need to be, see? I know it's too difficult. Let me go with you. And let me help you do the right thing. Because I'm with you. I'm heart, mind, and soul behind you. You are my friend before God is my witness. You are my friend. Did we ever say that to any... I was with Jim's friend this week, and I looked at him and I said, Jim, I want you to know I cherish our friendship. And he just grins. He must have been thinking something awful. You don't think it encourages people? No. Hey, I want you to know you're a good friend of mine. Somebody needs to hear that from your lips today. I'm a source of encouragement. I've said, verse 42, they sworn a friendship to each other in the name of the Lord. And what I love about this is you see, you see, again, I'll be with you. They... Jonathan's the kind of guy that brings up the Lord in his encouragement. The Lord is with you. The Lord will take care of this. The Lord will provide that kind of encouragement. My, that gives me confidence to tackle anything. 
when I hear a friend say that kind of stuff to me. Are you a source of encouragement? Good friends are. And you just read chapter 20 and pick out, highlight all the times you see encouragement in there. Number four, when I show up when my friend is down. When I show up when my friend is down, I'm a good friend. Years ago, they had a contest in Great Britain about what's the best definition for friendship. One of them said, one who understands our silence. Another defined it this way, a friend who multiplies joys and divides grief. But the winning definition was this. And it says this, a friend is one who comes in when the whole world has walked out. Guys, David is weary. He's been, he's been, been chased by Saul. He's been living in caves. He's been living in deserts. You guys ever seen, you guys ever watched Sir, uh, Lawrence of Arabia? It was just on. Oh my gosh, they crossed that desert. Imagine David is running for his life and he's going from desert to desert to cave to cave to town to town. He, he goes into one town, uh, Kalia or Kaliah, whichever way you want to pronounce it. He's in this town thinking he's safe. And he inquires the Lord, Lord, am I safe here? Saul's coming. Will the people give me up? Yes, they will. Should I go? Uh, yeah. And he goes to the desert of Ziph. Ziph. It's a desert. It's called the desert of Ziph. And he's in a place called Horish. And Horish is a woods. Well, that's fine. You know, they're used to being tent dwellers and going around and camping. Would you like to be in a, living in a tent for several months when you could live in a home? To be on your run wondering, is this the morning that Saul catches up with me? David is down for some reason. Uh, somehow, not some reason, somehow Jonathan knows this. Why should I be concerned when my friends are tired and weary? Because that's when sin has its best opportunity. That's when temptation has its best opportunity to destroy your friend. And Jonathan, I love this, he knows he's at Horish. Good friends know where their friends are and how they're doing. And he runs to Horish, and it says here, Jonathan went to David at Horish and helped him find strength in God. Guys, encouragement is powerful. How good is the timely word? Good news from a distant land is like a fresh, a, a, a fresh of cool water to a thirsty soul. That's what the Bible tells us. There's power in encouragement. I don't think we do near enough of it. Not near enough of it. We don't put enough mental energy into encouraging each other. Bible says to encourage one another as long as it's called today. Well, still being called today. Why? So you won't be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Jonathan knows David's weary. He must have known David enough to know when David gets tired and he can't sleep, he gets into trouble. Hmm. That happened to David one time, didn't it? And Jonathan wasn't around. You say, what I love about that is he finds strength. He gives him strength in the Lord. Why is that so important? I think this is a very pivotal time in David's life. Because right after that moment, that's the last time he sees Jonathan, by the way, that the Bible records. The very last time he sees him. 
And it, what, what's the last memory he has of, of Jonathan? He's encouraging to be strong in the Lord. What a great way to be remembered, huh? And, and what's, what happens? You read the next few chapters. David has an opportunity to kill Saul. And he doesn't do it. Why is that? David must be a good guy. I think if it weren't for Jonathan's encouragement, if it weren't for Jonathan showing up when he was down, maybe he would have killed Saul the first chance he got. But there was something in him. Something made him think of the Lord's anointed, the Lord's will, the Lord's purpose, trusting God with the results. Maybe it was Jonathan telling him, be strong with the Lord. God isn't done. Well, you know, this morning, maybe you're, you know, maybe you're in this boat. You're down and out. And you're like, I want you, I want you to know that the Lord is in control. The Lord will provide. The Lord is enough. He'll take care of you. Please believe that. But is there somebody else that needs to hear it from your lips? Because encouragement is so powerful. And good friends do this. A friend loves, the Bible says, at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. And I want you to know this, mor- this morning that your friends, you were born. Yes, yeah, you, you've got a brother. So yes, a relative like I understand that. But you guys, good friends, you and I, when we love at all times, we love people when they're just pretty pitiful. When they're just not all that hot and things aren't going that well. We keep loving them, keep encouraging them, keep praying for them. We carry their burdens like the Bible teaches us to do. You that kind of friend? What's the last thing, Tim? Because I've I got to get to Arby's. Okay, well. I'm a good friend, and this to me is probably most important of all, when I'm God's friend. Your best friend is the Lord. Jesus said, at one time he said, you know, my friends are those who do the will of God. And greater love has no one than lay down his life for his friends. You know, Pat made a great, gave us a great idea, a great thought. That like a Jonathan, like the son of a, a king, he gave his sword, his armor. Jesus came to this world defenseless. Possessed all power, yet chose for people to be able to grab him and kill him. He would gladly give it up for his friends. And I want you to know that he wants to be your friend this morning. David would say this, and David would write a song about friendship. And I wonder sometimes, I I just believe, you look at this, this psalm here that no doubt Jonathan encouraged him to see his God much the same way. And perhaps God helped him see Jonathan the same way. But it says, Friendship with God is reserved for those who, re- whose reverence, who reverence Him. With them alone He shares the secrets of His promises. He say, man, God he wants to be your friend and he will, t- he will share with you His secrets. He wants them to be yours. He wants you to know those intimate things, those details about life, and those promises He has in store for you. His promises. His dream. His hope.
And it's reserved for those who revere Him. What's, re- what's revere mean in, in a simple way, Tim? Who worship Him. Who recognize Him as their God. Who give themselves, like Jonathan to David, and says, what do you want me to do and I'll do it. You have a friend, church. I want you to know, if you're here this morning, I want you to know, you have a friend. Job would say it this way. Even now there's someone in heaven. This is why he's suffering. Even now there's someone in heaven who will speak for me. There is someone above who will testify for me. My friend speaks for me while my eyes pour out tears to God. He speaks to God for me like someone presenting an argument for a friend. He said, I have an advocate. And the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is our advocate. It's God's friendship inside me. The love of God that dwells in me. The presence of God that's in me. And I want to, want to just close by telling you this morning, I know it's been a long lesson. You don't make friends quickly. Friendships are built over a lifetime. And guys, it, it starts with just saying to myself, I'm going, Lord, help me be a good friend. And let us start with being a good friend of yours. He gave up everything to be your friend. What will you take off? What will you let loose of to be his? There's a communication card in your bulletin. It gives you opportunity to write maybe a thought or a prayer or a prayer request. Are you looking for a church that can that um, full of good friends. I want you to know we have a church that has good friends. I don't know if we're full of good friends. And I don't, I don't mean that uh, to say we're all bad. We just have a long way to go. We're not perfect people here. I can tell you that we have a church full of people that want to be good friends. They've let the friendship of God touch their life and they, they know that, that you're needing a friend. Is God your friend? Is Christ your friend? How's that song go? What a friend we have in Jesus. Can you say that? What a friend I have in Jesus Christ. We're going to sing a song, give you a chance just to respond to what the Bible has taught us today. And I hope you'll use that card. Let people pray for you. I hope today you'll encourage somebody and be that good friend. Work, work today. Work this week to be that friend. Who needs your encouragement? Who's down and out and needs you to show up? Let God bring that name to your mind and keep it on your mind until you do something about it.